All right. Well, hello, everybody. We are back to debrief this month's LCME Secretariat call, which was all about the independent student analysis, fondly known as the ISA. The ISA. Indeed. Our, fondly. Yeah, fondly. So fondly. Indeed. All right. How shall we begin? Um. Well, I can talk. I, I thought that the students did a great job outlining their processes and procedures and um, giving some information. I think one thing to touch upon is incentives to get students to do the ISA because, I mean, I know it, we've heard we've heard across several schools like survey fatigue, survey fatigue, but we really need to like get the students to realize the importance of the um, large number of students we need to fill it out. So I was thinking like maybe talk a little bit about incentives mm -hmm. to get students to complete them like i know um at a school that i was at we used a competition to get students so that uh students uh money would go into their class funds that they could use in a certain way so we had like a first place second place third place and fourth place and i think like first place was a thousand dollars that went into their class funds and so each week we'd give an update as how far how well the students were responding and so um that was um one way that we did incentives that's really good yeah yeah i would say that's real comparable to what i have experienced at schools i've been at in schools i've worked with um and it also uh, a lot of folks do it and and then i'm We've done it too at my institutions is we do that also with the GQ. So different kind of incentives. Um, and to your point about survey fatigue is just figuring out where do all those line up? So when you're actually in cycle to do the ISA, how does that line up with any other incentive efforts you might have for the GQ? Yeah. And I think along those lines, um, we had similar prizes, but giving them time to do it kind of in class or like, a you know, buy them lunch or cookies or something and give them a time where they're all together and to be able to do it, I think is really helpful. I also think I've seen a lot of schools not, they talk with the ISA committee, but they don't actually talk with the, all the rest of the students. So I know, you know, I've gone in front of each class uh, with the ISA committee, you know, that are in that class their presence, they can, you know, speak to it too, and really talk to each class about just how important it was and what a contribution they were making and, and that too. So I think people sometimes skip that step of talking to the students who are not on the ISA committee about how important it is. And what do you think the, the survey response needs to be? I think it needs to be upwards of 85% mm -hmm. for each class. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Jenny, to your point of talking to the classes, I do think there is a, an actual myth about this of um, the institutions feel that they can't have any involvement. So, no, they cannot be involved in distributing the survey or analyzing the data, but you can absolutely get in front of your students and talk about the importance and why we're asking this. Um, clarify some details even. I know this seems to come up pretty frequently of well, the students aren't even aware of really who's in curricular affairs, who's in student affairs. So doing some of that spot check to really help the students better understand why it's important, but also be able to operationalize the questions as they see them. Again, you're not telling them how to answer it. You're just giving them some additional information that's very helpful. I, I agree. And you can have, you can assign them a statistician to help them. Again, you're not telling them how to interpret the data or anything like that, but just helping with 
you know, making the tables and things like that. Like that is all okay to do. And I do think people are just terrified to do anything. And it's that that's not the case. Like you can help them. I mean, it's a, it's a huge task that they're doing. You just can't influence what they say or think about it. So I agree. Hmm? Yeah, and so that's where incentives are, of course, important. And most schools do something. Um, and then you just have to be careful. It never looks like bribery in any capacity. Right. Right. I would say most schools have very small budgets for these things. Um, if they're anything like the schools I've been at and, you know, that, that helps keep it, um, reasonable and doesn't look like bribery. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. Where are we going to go to next with the ISA? Um, what about, uh, once we get the results, mm -hmm. like, what do we do with them and follow up? How do we follow up with them? Mm-hmm. So I think I think that that's where obviously the students need to provide suggestions on what they think the issues were. But again, I, I do think that we can guide them in that, for example, um, if there was a question, if there's questions with very high NA responses, it's okay to tell the students you need to say why there was in your in your views why was there such a high NA response, right? So you can tell them they actually need to do that or give them another school's you know, report that you think is good so they can see how another school did it. Not saying you have to do it that way, but like here's here's a couple examples of some really good reports and you know now make it your own. So I think you can definitely do that. And also once we see the data and it goes back to the self-study teams, it's really important for the schools then to realize they need to address those in the DCI. So it can't just be, or it shouldn't just be, here is the data, this is what the student said, and we leave it at that. Um, there has to be a response to it, and at least that's the expectation from the LCME. Um, it gets you know schools in trouble. Um, I've seen it quite a few times where they've just, accept, it, it looks like they've ignored the ISA data, where they haven't, they just haven't enacted any action plans yet, and they're waiting until after the LCME leaves. Well, that's definitely, you know, like, wrong answer right. Do stuff immediately yeah. yeah yeah develop an action plan share the action plan with everyone including the students i mean that's the most important thing i think as well right. and then the results of the actions yeah and the, and hopefully the students are helping tell you like what are some easy wins like you know we we said flat but all we need is this and then we'll all be happy you know and then so you, hopefully you're involving the students mm -hmm. in the action plans for sure um, I think one place else where a lot of schools go wrong is that it's now become really common practice that you take your areas that you had issues with on the ISA and you resurvey the class that you can hopefully put in the improvements in your actual DCI. So that resurvey is not the ISA. It's not part of the ISA. It actually is a completely separate survey, has nothing to do with the ISA. So what that means is, is that the, you know, usually the OME team or whoever can construct that survey and do it completely themselves and then interpret that survey and do all the data on that survey. So there is only one ISA. Anything else that gets surveyed is not the ISA. So you don't have to have the students do it. And you mm -hmm. shouldn't, I don't think, have the students do it actually. They have enough to do. Right. Yeah. yeah, and that's true of whether it is something you're doing really quick, like a quick pulse check before the LCME team shows up, or I think as lots of schools are, and I definitely know I did this at my previous institution and doing it now is doing an end of year survey that really includes most of the ISA kind of questions. So I won't say we're taking it verbatim, but 
A lot of it, you know, we use much of the exact same language that is being utilized to the students when that time does come, they recognize it. But also we are able to um, collect data both on cohorts and class by class. So it's really nice to be able to see, you know, like when they there were first years they were reporting this, but by fourth year is the same group of students still, you know, have we made changes? Like where have the interventions actually made a difference or not class mm-hmm. by class and then across cohorts? Yeah, I agree. That's a perfect model of CQI. I mean, and that's what we want to see. And then just, I feel like it's sometimes interesting to go back and look at the data and, and where um, on the GQ as well is the first year they said this and like now reflecting back they're saying something totally different why is that what can we do to you know help the students and 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 help our faculty as well make these changes so that the students remain happy once they were as uh, first years oh yeah 100 percent. and i think the only other the only caution i would give is that i've seen some schools call these annual surveys the isa when they're not yeah. like again there is only one there can be only one and so there's only one isa which is when you're doing your self-study so these these other surveys you're doing to kind of mimic and t- uh, take the pulse are your you know end of year survey your annual survey whatever you want to call them but they're not the isa um and that's really mm-hmm. and students don't have to administer those right the, in fact again they shouldn't be they they have, they're way too busy. It should be the OME office that is, or the, your evaluation office or however it works at your school that's doing that. So, yeah. yeah. I've heard some schools are doing, so we might not have an answer for this, but like just a food for thought. Some are doing like actual full mid cycle. So like at that kind of four year point, especially if they're a school that was not on probation or was not on warning status, because that comes with its own baggage mm-hmm. from experience. Um, you know, they're actually doing like the whole thing. So they're saying like, let's just populate the entire DCI and actually have students do the ISA, like a mid-cycle. Is there, is that like a no-no? Are they allowed to do it? I mean, is- Yeah, I mean, I I think that they're, you know, you can, I think think they're allowed to do it. I mean, again, calling it an ISA, yes or no. But I mean, I mean, those, the, the sample, I mean, the questions are right out on the website, right? Anybody can access them at any time. So I think if they didn't want them to be used at another time, they, you know, they might you know, pull them or whatever. Um, I don't, I think if you're doing it annually, I'm not sure why there would be a need to kind of do a formal ISA at mid-cycle if you're, and have the students do it and everything if you're doing it um, annually. Because um, I guess I'm making an assumption that when you're doing it annually, if you under uh, if you find a problem, you're going to go to the students and actually sure. have a conversation with them or focus groups or whatever you need to do. Um, so I am making that assumption. Um, but yeah, I don't think so um, that you would need to formally do it again. But I like the idea of completing a DCI mid-year yeah. and yeah. using that end of year data to fill in yeah. the ISA sections for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think yeah. from my own like PTSD from being now at two schools who've been on warning status. Um, We're actually in the process of populating the DCI now. And then any data that we have had for status reports, which is very comparable to the questions that are asked in the ISA, because it's around those same satisfaction with this, satisfaction with that, um, we, I am putting it into the DCI and then just making, you know, um, you know, of course, a notation that this was collected for, say, the December status report in 2022. It's not Mm -hmm. the ISA, but at least gives us some kind of data point um, to then see if, again, those interventions that were reported to the LCME actually do make a difference as we continue to do our ongoing CQI. Right. 
And I don't think we can leave an ISA uh, topic without talking about the importance of the ISA to the LCME and whether it's a tiny bit inflated. Um, I, I, I think it's obviously important to get student satisfaction data, uh, you know, 100%. I think sometimes the extent to which it's used, or I've seen schools that, you know, they might have 75% satisfaction, and it seems like they're wanting more, you know, like 85% satisfaction. I'm sorry, but if you've got two, you know, 75%, three-fourths of your school is happy, or a class is happy, uh, I, 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 I don't know. Um, I'm a little concerned by that. Uh, that that yeah. would be enough to give a citation. Um, that seems a little crazy. You're, you're never going to get 75% of the faculty, you know, happy about everything or, or in any, in any right. group. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a lot. Um, well, and it, yeah, I, I agree. I think in a citation that I'm thinking of about student sac satisfaction with feedback, we can say that all of our students are meeting with faculty, they're giving the feedback, but then students aren't happy with it because really they want to know if they're good, how they're going to get honors, honestly. And so they're uh, negatively scoring us on those questions when we have the processes and procedures in place to give the feedback, but they don't like the feedback. So, but then we get dinged on it because they're not 85% happy with it. So I agree with that uh, statement. It becomes a vicious cycle too, because I have a very hard time then talking with faculty of, well, it doesn't really matter anyway, because if the students don't like it, like, why are we putting forth all this effort? Well, you still have to, because we're educators and like, you're, you're, we know it's the right thing to do. It's just that being the metric of effectiveness or success is, you know, not necessarily appropriate is a piece of right. data that we should be looking right. at. But, you know, um, there's a whole slew of literature outside of medical education that talks about, um, you know, is student satisfaction really the, you know, the driving effective measure for, you know, successful education programs? Um, the answer sure. is no. Right, right. Uh, no, I mean, you can't. have that in med ed yet. Yeah, well, I mean, you you really have a, you can't really publish a paper much anymore if, if it's all just satisfaction data, right? Like, so, so why is that the, the, the caliber for how we say if a medical school is doing okay or not. I think it's, I think the pendulum has swung way too far on this one and um, big, 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 big problem. Mm. Um, and we're creating all these hoops to jump through for that, that where we could be spending our money, you know, our resources, money and time on things that actually matter a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a huge problem. Yeah. So, well, on that note, <laughs> that was a happy so. ending. <laughs> Happy New Year. Yes, right. Yeah. Okay. There's your ISA short and simple. We break it down for you uh, so that uh, when you listen to the LCME Secretary call this hearing, three other people's opinions and what they think and um, who have experienced other schools. So happy to hear from you. And we will be back next month with whatever topic uh, the Secretary call has that month. All right.